right, let's fuck this chicken. Okay. Going that's, live with the what a, what a saying. <laughs> that? So we know you haven't been listening to the pod. I say that at the beginning of every podcast. Yeah, I, I figured that was that should be addressed sooner than later. That was like I was like, man, you know what? I just need to bite this bullet. It's a shout out to uh, to Abby. Abby's like the first person I ever heard say that. That's really. <laughs> let's fuck this chicken. Uh, what else did she say? Um, let's suck today's dick, which I'm not I mean, as partial to. Eh, yeah, <laughs> it feels weird coming out your mouth. Pause. Pause. Yeah, that's I, I, so I didn't even say that. I didn't even go there. But I agree with the sentiment. But yeah. Yeah. So that's 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 usually how I kick it off. I was, let's let's fuck this chicken. Get right into uh, episode eight of the Creative Ass Podcast. As you see, I'm not here by myself. Uh, I'll let him introduce himself. Yeah, as you hear, uh, I am uh, Brentley Capolero, Marseille's homie, friend, cousin, family. Yeah, all that. Uh, and happy to be here. Yeah, I guess I, uh, people are like, what do you do? That's usually like the typical thing people ask. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, kind of. It's like I kind of like have like a like a spot for that towards the end. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, cool. I don't really want to do that right Okay, now. yeah, let's say yeah. kind of spooky. We'll warm up, we'll get into that. I have questions for you so you don't have to like, feel like you have to explain it on your own. Oh, that's dope. That's fun. <laughs> um, what a great host. Yeah, I try to be. Um, but yeah, it just kind of happened. I mean, it could have happened at any time. We hang out a lot because Heem's been on the podcast before. Had some other homies on the podcast. Literally just chilling, talking shit. Nothing too specific, no pressure. Uh, the only thing I, I usually get into off the top, those are people listen to podcasts. No, we do. Last thing, listen to. Last thing, watch. Last thing, and read. Uh, I'll uh, I'll kind of kick it off with what I, I've done, and we'll kind of go back and forth. Okay. Uh, I'll start off with the last thing I listened to. Uh-huh. Uh, so the last thing I listened to, uh, it's actually singles. Um, uh, still listening to that Stormzy album, really, really heavy, and uh, been more listening to like, playlists and things of that nature lately i haven't been listening to as many uh new projects also because we haven't gotten a lot of new music uh so what i've been listening to lately is uh two songs that are no one's one is her song which is the slide joint uh featuring yg and that song's like mm-hmm. old but i feel like they just dropped a video for it which kind of like revitalized it a little bit but i fuck with that song super hard that shit's hella cali um yeah i just it's a vibe and her makes everything better. Um, but this fucking uh, slow down shit. Uh, we were listening to it in the car when Michi was in town for uh, for Christmas. And she was like, who the fuck is Skip Marley? I was like, I have no idea. But this song is fucking fantastic. And it's been on my playlist for a while. And I saw that uh, the Lacey Duke, shout out black female directors, uh, did the uh, the video. And that shit's super hard. It's shot in, uh, it looks like it's shot in Brooklyn, actually. Um, and they like just kind of commandeered a subway train for a while. The whole time I was watching it, I was like, how in the hell did these niggas find a soul subway train? Uh, anybody that's ever been in New York knows of finding like a subway train with nobody on it. First off, if it's a subway train with nobody on it, don't get on it. I'm telling you that right now. It's like the first thing I learned <laughs> when I ever moved to New York. Do not get on a subway train that has nobody in it. Because nine times out of ten, as soon as them doors close, that hoe probably stank. The fucking rat died in that hoe. Or you don't <laughs> see the fucking... Homeless dude in the corner that's over there asleep, and then you're just stuck on that bitch with the nastiest fucking aroma until you get to the next stop and can get off and like move to another or like move to another cart. Actually, uh, I have a story about that because I was uh, in New York one time, uh, out of a few times I've been there, and was riding to Queens, I think, to see the homie L Eagle, and 
Where were you riding from? I was riding from like either Brooklyn or Harlem. Okay. Yeah. And so it was a minute. I was. I was saying, yeah, yeah. From Brooklyn is a minute. You know, Harlem, and, and, a minute, and, minute. I'm not gonna lie, I, it could have been the Bronx, like this. You know where I was going right now. Like I, right. I actually. Ah, I'm so I'm I'm just gonna say I'm gonna go with what I originally said. Go with my gut, Queens. Okay. Um, but on the way there, I had an empty train for the majority of a ride. Which was super strange. It was very strange. That, what time of day was it? I mean, we're talking like two, two or three. In the afternoon? You're talking afternoon. That is strange. Yeah, it was It was odd. It was very odd. That's super rare. But it was a very long ride. So perhaps maybe I took like the one and everyone's like, yo, don't take that one. It takes forever. Maybe. I was like, one day, I was like what forever. train did you take? Do you remember? I mean, like, what but, number or letter it was? Uh, this is like early 2010s but it might have been the R Q Q R some one of those feels familiar sounds familiar, feels right okay I mean I'm trying obviously to think about where you I'm not super there. concrete about it that's crazy yeah cause I was like cause there are like certain trains like you can take and it's just like nobody takes those trains like I remember I took the J train one time to uh to fucking Damo's house and, and he was just like nobody ever takes that train like it was so hard to find like, I had to take an elevator that, like, I had to get directions. I finally just stopped and asked somebody. I was like, bro, do you know how to get to the fucking, I cannot, like, this shit doesn't make sense. It's like, it's like, it's like, did you ever read Wayside Stories when you was a kid? And it was talking about the 13th floor, but the 13th floor didn't exist in those books. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, the 13th floor, there is no 13th floor. Yeah, That's how the fuck this train was. But I, I haven't read that book. Ooh, Russy. Games Live, Houston. I was like, yeah. seventy four. Yeah, they 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 used to. What did uh, Ills call it? Ooh. My basketball Tourette's. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that shit is nuts. Yeah, it was, it was like yeah, the J train like from fucking uh, from Bushwick. I know where was I coming from? Yeah, I was coming from Bushwick from fucking Bushwick to where he stayed, which was Bed Stuy. I was like, this train was fucking ridiculous. It was like trying to find a well, where's Waldo? It was hard as fuck to find. It was like the only train I ever rode that I was like seriously just worried about like the state like the state of the train. I was like, <laughs> this house is okay? just old. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was like, I, I, yeah. and it was dumb packed. It was like one of those times where it was like you just couldn't avoid touching anybody. Like niggas are shoulder to shoulder in that bitch. Uh, yes. So it was just like I was like, I'm never taking this train again. I was like, maybe you took one of those trains, but it's like the opposite. Like yeah. nobody was on the hill. Like nobody ever takes that train. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't frequent Queens too much. I only went one time the whole time I was out there. Yeah, it was but, a pretty. It was a pretty long ride. So yeah, I think. But, I think. I really think the the time, the length of time and travel has a lot to do with it. And just like the middle of the day, it was like a week. Possibly, day. if it was the middle of the day, weekday, maybe just people are at school or work. So that's exactly. Real. And I, but it's also New York. Like usually, you would there's think, no yeah. normal work schedule. Motherfuckers just be moving. Yeah, I remember I was listening to some. What song was I listening to? I was talking about the Mumford and Sons. Okay. Yeah. Any specific jam or just like... I don't think it's like Little Lionheart. It had, a, it had like a nice little rhythm to it. It was cool. <laughs> Word. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to butcher it by repeating it. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, like, you want to give us any? Nah. Yeah, <laughs> I would do them in disservice. And uh, <laughs> I know, you know, stay in your lane. Word. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, so last thing we listened to, last thing I watched. Uh, so literally the last thing I watched, like... I was gonna. I forgot what I was gonna talk about. It was something else. But like right before you came over, I was watching uh, the Kevin Hart documentary, oh, and I wasn't yeah. gonna rush to it. Like everybody else, I like rushed it. through it. And yeah. I was like, I ain't rushed to nothing, Kevin. But I didn't realize one. I didn't realize it was funny. So yeah. I so I was like, okay, I'm watching it. Hmm. And it's like an actual documentary. Like 
he, he, you know, he produced it, so you never know how that's going to come out. Self-produced shit, like that fucking Drake, uh, Drake Rap Radar interview. Self-produced shit is always, like, with a grain of salt because, you know, you're the one who has the final call over editing. It's not like somebody else filmed it and somebody else is the mastermind behind it, is going to edit it the way, it was, you know, they want to edit it, is going to, you know, let all of whatever be shown that they want to be shown. Right, yeah. But, uh, but, but right. I mean, so far what I've seen has been pretty honest. Uh, you know, he's, you know, gotten right into, you know, the situation where he cheated on his wife. He's gotten right into, uh, you know, his, his, you know, essentially his, his issues with his pops, uh, you know, his issues, not issues with, but, you know, the passing of his mom. Like he's gotten, he's gotten into some, some pretty interesting stuff. I mean, I'm like that. So when I really, what I want to tell you, I take away from this documentary is one that so far I'm just like, you can't show me all this and then not give me some of that in your standup. Like the last couple of standups, I feel like have just been all about his kids. And I'm like, that's kind of surface. Like, it's like, it's funny, but like, so are like Disney movies. Like Disney movies are funny, but like, that's not what I watch comedy for. It's like, I watch Disney movies for that shit. Yeah. So it's like, I was like, I want to see this. Like the reality, the, that's why his first standups were so funny to me. Like I could relate to him talking about his dad being so high and petty that mm. he took the fucking Christmas lights off the Christmas tree after his mom kicked him out. I was like, nigga, that is some shit my dad would do. This is mine. I'm taking everything that's mine when I leave. Blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that was funny because it was like real and relatable. Mm. It's like after the first couple batches of your kid jokes, I'm like, all right, my nigga. So since you got kids, you're going to talk about like raising black kids in America. Like you're going to like, are you going to, are we going to get yeah. anything else from you? Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You didn't been through some wild shit. Are you gonna but address make, the shit with your wife? Like that might pe- make people stop eating the popcorn. You know, like they like you start paying more attention, stop you know uh, becoming more cognizant of what they're actually doing, and, and in those moments, you're just like, is this shit even that funny? You know, like what are we what are we doing here? I don't know. Sometimes I get those moments of like in the middle of just being entertained and being like, is this even entertaining? It's like, and um, I, the yeah. marketability of that, I, I mean, I understand him like wanting to be scared or would be, maybe being scared of like his brand or whatever, but. Oh, of course. I mean, you get, you're at this point, brand. your brand is already taking all the hits you can take and keep going. Exactly. You might as well make better art. Huh. Like you can't, that's why I'm just that's like, I leave like I mean we went to a Chappelle show together. I I've, I I leave a Chappelle show and I feel like nigga I like was challenged and like I learned something and even yeah. if I maybe didn't disagree with everything he didn't shy away from anything and like a true comedian will tell you like I'm trying to find something funny and like like what did Jerry Seinfeld say he said like somebody died like somebody close to him died and he was like I was still sitting there trying to find a joke because he's like that's how I'm hotwired like it doesn't have yeah. to necessarily mean that like I agree with this thing I'm poking fun at or like that's just what I I'm, I'm a comedian that's what I do right. I think it was that um, Kevin Hart's movies mm-hmm. say a lot about like his style of stand up right now. I sure. mean, he has few ones that you know, um, you know, you're not eating popcorn during the whole time, right? You're actually like paying attention to the, you're caught up in the the plot of the character development um, and all those things, opposed to just Jumanji, <laughs> uh, right? Or uh, a movie with The Rock, which could you know. Not to cut, undercut them, they got some, you know, they do some human stuff. They they do some good stuff sometimes, but yeah. But for the most part, it's, yeah, it's pretty specific. Like with The Rock, maybe more so with his show on because I think that's so close to his heart. Ballers is probably the best acting I've ever seen The Rock do. You know, like, yeah, I feel you. Yeah, and I, I think it's just because it's like the actual topics are so close to his heart because he played football and like I'm sure had those aspirations at one point before he fucked up his back and shit. And, you know, like. 
I mean, for better or worse, he was a wrestling professional athlete. He was probably making guapo. Probably. Oh yeah, I, I, I was. I went. I, he was got ticket money for me. I went to a couple of the motherfucking me shows. Wasn't his pops an NFL player or played football or wrestling? I don't know if he made it. No, I think his grandfather was a wrestler. Okay. His dad definitely played football, okay. but I think I can't remember how far he went with that. I know he was another like college star. Right. I can't remember if he. I think he played in the league too. He got injured. Yeah, I want to say he got injured, but I mean, I, th- I want to say that was what injured. The injury ended his dad's professional career and stopped him from getting to the pros. You gotta get, you gotta get the rock on the pod. So I mean, you know, t- whatever. Tell me. I'd be down for the rock to come on the pod. He yeah. had to be ready to have a real conversation. Right. And I just gonna sit here and like. <laughs> That was my attempt to do it. The rocks <laughs> laugh. <laughs> I can't do it. I do the eyebrow, but that doesn't, you know, that's pointless. Yeah, I used to like, yeah, people used to think it was mad impressive that I could do the people's eyebrow. I was more of a Stone Cold fan. I was a fan of both, but like, they didn't fuck with each other. So I was like, oh, if I got a pick up, come on now. One of them's from Austin. Right. Um, but yeah, that, 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 the documentary so far is good. It's interesting that you pointed that out because literally this point that I stopped at the documentary right before uh, you came over yeah. was. Um, uh, he, uh, Night School had just come out, which was the first movie that he released under his production company. Yeah, and it got terrible reviews. I mean, you and know, he was it's just not like, really a challenging movie. He was like, I mean, he essentially said like, he's like, I never get good reviews. He's like, my movies never get good reviews. They sell though. He's like, he didn't even say that. He was just like, you kind of, if he's like, if you get, if you buy into the idea of, you know, like, if you buy into the idea of like letting that information or that news affect you negatively every time he's like you you know what I'm saying you, you would never you never survive yeah you never survive so he's essentially was just like I see him but you know today's another day yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean they're reviewing you made it <laughs> right exactly they're reviewing your work they're you, reviewing you, you did the work you created the thing yeah that re- they're reviewing so. and they're reviewing the thing you put out under your production company like right. you didn't sell it to somebody else's production company you put out yeah so I mean, I, I, I hear him. I hear him. And at the same time, I would like to see him challenge himself more. Because also, like, in the documentary, I see that he's got enough real life in him where I think he could be, like, a real actor. You, you see it. There's a movie with him and uh, Brian Cranston. He I was think. filming it, during, yeah, during the doc. That was, uh, that was he, he brought some of his, of his real human in there. And there are moments of just, you know, it's not that being somber and or being, like, serious is good acting. It's just like the the weaving of all of the, the different types of behaving, right? Right, the, the depth of human emotion. Right, and it's <coughs> that, that was uh, probably one of my, and I forget the name of the the upside. The upside, yeah, that was probably the most impressive performance I've seen from Kevin Hart to date. But uh, you know, always always room for growth, as they say. Forever that was uh, what's the last thing you watched? Uh, I watched um. So I actually watched the podcast with uh, All the Smoke, Steve okay. Jackson, Matt Barnes, Kobe Bryant interview. That shit nice. was cool. I was watching clips of that today, too. Yeah, there was a different vibe to it than the other ones, and it was, like, shorter than all the other ones. Because Kobe ain't got as much time as the rest of y'all yeah. to sit around and talk. Exactly. And he got <laughs> cheaper with him. Like, you can tell, like, with some of the other people, like, smoked, smoked weed as well. Like, when Lou Will smoked weed as well. You oh, know? yeah. Like, or, like, he, or if not, like, it's just... It was a different vibe. Oh, yeah, or Lou Will just smokes weed. Yeah. It was high. It was high that day. I feel like Kobe didn't get, like, there were a couple of times where Kobe, like, opened up and didn't treat it like a, uh, just like a kind of general ESPN interview or, I mean, it was, it was, it was like that, but it was, as far as general ESPN interview, but it was. Yeah. Kobe's got that demeanor, though, that he's going to, like, keep on no matter where he is. Right. Because I feel like that's probably just how he is all the time. 
Yeah, but so watch that. But as far as like television series, I was enticed by something on Showtime, uh, City on the Hill. It's Kevin Bacon. Didn't really want to watch it for Kevin Bacon, but uh, Aldous uh, Aldous Hill, Aldous Hodge, forget his name, but he was an actor on a show I watched, Leverage. Aldous Hodge. Might be butchering that. Mm, I was like, you hit it on the money. Oh. And so, uh, yeah, kind of a... That's what some, I recognize him from, Star Trek. Somewhat whodunit, somewhat more like mm, detectives on the opposite ends of like a uh, political spectrum. Obviously, Aldous Hodge is a black dude, and Kevin Bacon's a white dude, and they're in Boston, and... Man. Kevin Bacon's, you know, <laughs> staunch in that reality of cops doing coke and doing what the fuck they want and ignoring the black people in the precinct. Um, what time period is this set in? I mean, this is like modern time. Like, okay. uh, and so he's having a, I mean, it's like the beginning. Like the two are like meeting with each other. Aldous Hodges plays like a, like a, he's a DA and he's, he's tasked, he's a new DA in the department tasked with, What what is it? Um, charging somebody for killing a cop. Okay. But the political forces that be want them to let the cop killer go for X Y Z, and it puts him in a position where no one wants to help the cop killer get off, but the political forces want him to make that happen. For a, a reason that I can't remember right now, because. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I watched it. When I was pretty. I watched it pretty late last night. Like I said. Earlier, oh, just in conversation. <laughs> Sometimes I watch. I start watching shows way too late. Like, you know, I'm tired. Like, I'm gonna watch this as I go to sleep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Speak. I mean, because I have to, like, I can kind of speak on it as well. And I wasn't like maybe segued into like the next topic, but I'll go ahead and talk on it now. Like, I also watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just because I also know you've seen it as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I wanted to kind of pick your brain about it and like how you felt about it, just because. I watched it so it's fresh. I was very high when I watched it, so there's that. But uh, it was it was long. And it, it was long. It was a little long in the tooth, and not in the way that like the Irishman, where the Irishman was long, and I was like, I'm okay with this. Like I could have watched this for another like 30 minutes, mm. but then like this was long to the point where like I was starting to fall asleep a little bit. I was just like, Damn. I definitely had that moment, and I was also relatively high, but I also watch movies dinner. relatively high. I usually watch movies relatively high. It was. I don't know the official runtime. Maybe it's three two hours. hours and forty minutes. It's almost I three mean, hours you know, you gotta you gotta kind of expect that with the Tarantino movie or and or that's what'd be crazy because I go into Tarantino movies knowing two thirty off the bat. Like you know, this is gonna be a long movie. So I saw two forty. I was like, okay, watch the early game. If it's not a good game, I won't watch all of it. Put it on. We'll see what's cracking. It started off like all right. <laughs> it gave me a lot of early to where I was like, oh man, okay, okay. And then it got to the middle part. Like okay, so when it got to the part. Where spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, but this shit's on DVD now, so fuck out of here. Um, you can stay here, but like, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, but uh, the, when it got to like, so when it got to the point where a homeboy picked up old girl hitchhiking from the bus stop, Brad Pitt's character mm. picks yeah. up the girl that's yeah. like in the Charles Manson cult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> from there to the end, it just kind of was a little slow. I hear that that one scene in particular, like how long it took for it him was to go lo- get, the, it, like more spoiler, into the actual like, back room in the house. I was like, wow, this is 
there's a lot of buildup here. And is it necessary? I mean, I don't know. I feel but like you could have got from that part felt it was. to where he was whooping his ass next to the car for putting for <laughs> stabbing a tire. Yeah. Y'all could have got to that much faster from there to there. Yeah. Like, that would have ate up a whole lot. I wanted more than, like, the little flash of Charles Manson we got with him just, like, walking down the street. Yeah. Like, I was like, I'll oh, give me a little more than, like, I don't know. It was, I, I, think, I, I think he they didn't want to make it. I imagine he didn't want to make it about him. No, right? yeah, I know yeah. he didn't. But so, I needed more than just the walk. Yeah. Maybe it didn't, it, was, it could still just be one scene, but maybe that's one of the a different scenes. My aunt, when I was watching it, uh, told me, because I was watching it with my aunt and uh, Cena and Dennis, and uh, she was like, ah, Clinton Tarantino has an obsession for feet. And sure enough, there's some shots with feet. There's a lot of shots with feet in it, bare feet. And if you just go through, it's just, it's just true. He's a weirdo. Yeah, it's pretty He's crazy. a weirdo. I'm, I'm always very happy. I've said it a lot of different places that he has like a creative outlet. Because yeah. I'm like, if he didn't, like he definitely would like be like a serial killer or like pedophile or something. He's a weirdo for sure. You can tell. <laughs> Word. Uh, but on note, like the movie, like there's a scene with Bruce Lee uh, fighting. Oh, such a good uh, scene. Brad Pitt, and it was such a good scene. I'm such like, man, like, the, but I've watched Bruce Lee movies, like, uh, quite a few of them. I'm like, man, they're portraying Bruce, like, in this way. Like, I'm not sure he actually was that way. Like, Quentin Tarantino kind of always does that, though. Like, he yeah. rewrites history a little bit. Yeah. So I was, I did, I did a little deep dive into it, and it wasn't so much as, like, a way to, like, try to belittle Bruce Lee, but more so, like, the character, Brad Pitt's character was like, a cowboy actor, and right. cowboy movies were dominant, but at that time period, uh, kung fu movies were starting to take take over. take over, and so it was kind of like a representation of that, like that di- that 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 battle for power, that, right. that switch in power. Uh, but it, Bruce Lee did fight some people sometime on set, but he never fought like actors, and it was usually like just sparring and something like you know. I do like the, I did like My the idea of him talking shit like that and just kind of like. Yeah. Like getting the best of this guy that like is obviously supposed to be Bruce Lee from the yeah. second he comes on. <laughs> like I was like, why? Who is this two thousand fucking nineteen version of Bruce Lee? This nigga haircut a little different. Why he look I, like? I was like, I hope that Bruce Lee, you know, uh, family, <clears throat> his legacy, the estate gets paid, compensated. For oh, that, I'm sure. That you, I'm, yeah. I'm certain if you use his likeness, you have to definitely pay somebody. That's yeah. a, like for sure. Like, I'm sure he knows all about that because he's always using people's likenesses. Yeah. Like a lot of his movies are like you see how like even the movie like Inglorious Bastards, like he picks this very like minuscule story about this girl that comes from this specific place and then begins comes to own this theater and then hatches this crazy scheme and this is how this is how we're gonna kill Nazis. Yeah. There's all this like historically accurate shit happening in the background of this like tall tale he's like weaved through some real shit that happened. He did the same thing with Django. Yeah. Like he does that a lot where he picks like these historically things and he makes them so historical at host uh, these historical moments and makes them so accurate that it's obvious that he's like Nodding to the, yeah, yeah, nodding to this thing, but then like weaves this tale that has some but nothing to do with this thing that's going on in the background. But it's just it's like it's always really interesting to me. I'm like, that's how I know his head is crazy because I'm just like, what made you think of that going on during slavery, or like what made you think of that going on during the Nazi war times, or like yeah. what, like what the fuck like. He found like these wildly comedic moments. I don't. Know, I love Quentin Tarantino. I think he's fucking crazy, but I also think like his he's definitely one of my favorite directors. Him, Spike, Scorsese, yeah. <clears throat> like 
Yeah, nuts. But uh, you know, yeah, gonna, you know they're gonna bring something like you know they're gonna do the thing, but they're gonna bring a new dynamic or. Oh yeah, like yeah, well, they deliver with with Martin. I know what I'm getting every, nine times out of ten, and it's just like the same type of greatness every time. It's like if somebody knew like they made a really great album and they just kept making the same really good album over and over again. Yeah, it's like it's the same thing, but goddamn, it's good. <laughs> like this shit just man. It's like somebody kept making you the same sandwich, and you're like, goddamn, that's a good sandwich. Like. Yeah. It's the same sandwich, and you don't do nothing different, but this motherfucker is tasty. Yeah. Like, I have no complaints about this fucking sandwich I had two days ago. Yeah. Um, you, can you say that about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No complaints? I have complaints. I have more complaints about it than I thought I was going to have with all those people in it um, yeah. that, that I'm that's a huge yeah, fan of. That's fair. Uh, Dakota Fanning bodied her role to just be like a little, like, somebody always has like a little peekaboo role in a Quentin Tarantino movie, like, like in Kill Bill. Um, Lucy Liu's character is so fire, but she has that one scene. She has like two scenes, like two scenes that are just nuts. And those two scenes just turned into like this iconic role she played, but she was barely in the fucking movie. Like she has the scene in the war room where she chops the guy's head off. Like she runs down the table and cuts dude's head off. And then she has the the fight scene in the snow with Uma Thurman. But she doesn't have a whole other lot of, and then the, she doesn't, Barely talks in the fight scene with Uma Thurman. The heart scene was so good. But she fucking has like this crazy monologue after chopping off dude's head about, you know, her uh, Chinese heritage being questioned in the Tarantino flick. Yeah. So like, but she's just, it's just like, she's in and she's out. Like same thing with the... I enjoyed those those parts, those scenes. Yeah, there's a lot of them in fucking Kill Bill because there's all those different like henchmen that he has, and yeah. so like they each just They're pop histories. in. Yeah, yeah, so they just pop in for a little bit. It's just like you weren't really in the movie that long, like uh, you're yeah. integral to the movie's progression. Oh my gosh! And fucking Dakota Fanning's character, the she was like uh, the like the chick in the front room, in the house. That was Dakota Fanning. The chick in the front room. In the house, like oh, like the friend the, in the front room the, of the house that like eventually like when people were murdered. No, no, no. So the house that we were talking about, the house we're talking about, that took him forever to get to the back room of with the yeah, old man. Yeah. So you know the chick that was in there, like trying to stop them. That was Dakota Fanning. I couldn't. I didn't. What? She. The? Yeah. She said it took a lot of people. It took me. I was watching because she said it took a lot of people so long to figure out who she was. I was watching the shit out of it, trying to figure out when she was gonna pop up. And I was like, and she said that she had, uh, you know, her. She has those eyes. They're like unmistakable. Right. Uh, she had brown contacts in. Ah. And she well, said, you know, when she went to go uh, audition for the role, because she's like, I've always wanted to be in a Quentin Tarantino movie. I was supposed to be the little girl in Kill Bill. I wanted that role bad, mm. and I didn't get it. And she so she in said, volume one with, <clears throat> um, with, with the uh, fight scene with Vivica. With Vivica, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, the little girl that she talks to that was supposed to be Dakota Fanning, and Dakota Fanning was popping at the time too. Man. So that, that makes sense for Quentin to just be like, nah, I'm not gonna go with her. I have a yeah. tangent about that, but I don't want to go on. About the yeah. little girl. About yeah, about like. It was supposed to be a whole movie based on that little girl. Okay, so I'm glad. I, so cool. There's a thing already. Yeah, that's a known thing. Yeah, I, I was waiting for Kill Bill three forever. Like he, it is th- known. he he laughs about it the way Rihanna laughs about this album we asking for. Like, psh, I know y'all want it. Fuck y'all. That's probably <laughs> why I'm not gonna put it out. It's probably written in everything, hey, and I'm not gonna put it out because y'all fiction. want it. That's what fan fiction's for. Oh my god, that shit would be such a dope movie from the perspective of the little girl. <laughs> like, that's yeah. so hard. But yeah, he probably has a whole shit written and he's just not going to release it because he knows we want it, dickhead. He probably uh, do it before he dies or, you know. He'll die before we get it because he knows we want it. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's that perverse. He's, yeah, uh, he's nuts. But whatever, I don't know. I've never said, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, she said um, she uh, 
told him that after she didn't get that role, uh, she sent him like a letter, just like a random letter, and just tell him how much she liked his work. She was just like, "Hey man, I figured if I wanted to be in a Quentin Tarantino movie, I should reach out." And so she said she she came in to audition for the role. She had uh, like uh, she essentially dressed for the part. She dressed like like for like from she looked at newspapers and stuff and dressed like the girls that she saw were, that were on that like Manson farm and so it's like she was like I showed up to the you know the, when he asked to like meet me in jean shorts and a white tank top and she's like and my hair was brown and I had contacts in so she was just like I kind of showed up in like character already mm-hmm. and she's like and I got like a call a little bit after that and was like yeah you got the part so I was like I said the, so she said that the second the movie came on I was just trying to figure out who was her like which who like who she was, and I was like, as soon as I saw her, I was like, makes you want to watch it again. I was like, man, so I I enjoyed her scene. She bodied that scene, like killed that shit. That that's probably one of my favorite scenes when they finally get in the fucking house. Her scene is hard. Um, Margot Robbie's character, she, uh, oh is, yeah, is a real person. Yeah, oh for sure. Yeah, I, I did. A, I did. A, as I was watching it, cause it's so long yes. during the, <laughs> during some of like the downtime of the movie, oh, <laughs> like just as it waiting to develop. Uh, I googled about the actual uh, who story. Who is? Yeah, uh, yeah. Sharon Tate and the people. Uh, the daughter, the the woman, the the friend of Sharon Tate who was there mm-hmm. was the heiress of the Folgers. Yep. Which is uh, the Folgers Empire. Polanski. Like there's just a lot of really famous people in there. Roman Polanski, director. Like it's just yeah. a lot of really famous people in one. Polanski room. was overseas at the time. Oh, no, his wife was there. His wife was there, Sharon Tate, his wife, pregnant wife. Jay Sebring, the hairdresser. Yeah. And and then the Vultures the, the, the There's four, yeah. Three and there's girls another and person, guy. too. There's the one, who's the guy? The He was like a manager, seemed like a manager. There's two guys? The, I thought there was just one guy. Yeah, Jay Sebring, the hairstylist. Okay, for sure. That was the guy, that was the one that was... That kind of... Most like present divorced one of them he was like dating it was like a weird dating uh, triangle yeah, thing kind of right. going on there but uh but yeah that shit's nuts okay. that shit was crazy but her scene where she was watching herself when she went to go to the movies to watch herself on screen oh, yeah. that was a dope scene like just she didn't even say anything just her reactions to people reacting to her in the movie hmm. and then I also noticed the same thing more feet because <clears throat> her feet are up yeah yeah that was the scene I, yeah that made me think about it so uh, I thought that was really interesting. I was just like, man, this guy's uh, true to character at all times. So technically, that was the last thing I watched as well. That shit was super long, but uh, I'm not gonna be as long winded about it because it did it it dragged on. That's probably the only like <laughs> we're dragging on about. Yeah, the long that's movie. probably the only the only thing bad thing I have to say about it is it dragged on. Um, Brad Pitt's character was amazing, although I think that uh, Leo outacted him. Uh, that scene with the little girl, those scenes with the little girl, both scenes with the little girl. Which he always has a little girl in there as well, which is also weird. He's weird. Right. He's very weird. But yeah, I think uh, Leo outacted him, which you know he kind of said in his acceptance speech at the Golden Globes, which we'll get to later. But huh. he said that he was kind of like you know I gotta thank Leo. He's like I saw time after time why people would come up here and thank you. And he's like I get it now. Like you you brought it out of me type shit. So that was hard to see. Brad won one. Yeah, he won a Golden Globe for best performance. Uh, <clears throat> so he had to be best supporting actor because best actor was Joaquin. Word, word for Joker. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so those are the last things I watched. And the last thing I read uh, was an article about Trevor Jackson. Uh, another show I like to watch is Grownish, and that uh, features Trevor Jackson as like singer whose music I also enjoy, but he's an actor. Uh, he was on uh, American Crime, and uh, he was also, um, I mean, he's like a Disney kid. But yeah, either way, 
I was reading an article about him uh, in Vulcan Magazine. Uh, interesting dude. It's always interesting reading about creatives, especially ones that are like career multi-hyphenates who do more than one thing. Uh, you know, I always like the idea, and I always I preach on here the idea of bucking the the idea of a uh, uh, you know jack of all trades, master of none. Like most of my favorite artists do more than one thing. You know, Nipsey always said that he tried to defy that every day. He's like just trying to constantly you know master more than one craft because you know if you master one like why stop at that so i always try to i always try to keep up with artists that i enjoy who i enjoy in two mediums love trevor's music got dope music out right now uh album rough drafts too i've been listening to a lot waiting for his new album to come out <clears throat> he drops a lot of really interesting visuals and he directs a lot of them so i was reading about him in uh, vulcan magazine um interesting cat listening to him and talk about him getting into directing more and producing he's got a movie that's coming out um, he was in Superfly, if you peeped that, and that was a lot better than I expected it to be, like a remake of a uh, black exploitation flick. Mm. Um, kind of I something people have been doing a lot lately, like Dolomite just came out on Netflix. Uh, watching Kevin Hart's documentary, he's talking about possibly remaking, um, oh, what movie? It wasn't Harlem Nights, but he said he was trying to remake a movie with like Harlem Nights, like black exploitation vibes. I have to double check and can't remember what movie it was, but yeah he just it's it's, it's definitely something that people have been doing more and more lately which is really interesting uh as the spotlight we'll say is uh is on black creators a lot right now hopefully something that lasts but it's definitely something that's trending right now um so and certain things attract the light you know like like the creators who are actively creating pushing the boundaries and having opportunities to present their creations and more funding for more yeah yeah, for sure. Keep happening. I hope it does, for sure. It's definitely it's, it's something I've heard a lot of uh, different artists echo on is just, I hope this is like a thing. It's not just like, I hope this is change actually happening and not just what's popular right now. I, you know, it's not, I've heard people, like, well, representation like, matters. Yeah, until it yeah. Goes, I hope right? it's not the until Black Panther not effect. You know what I'm saying? Like people yeah. see that, like, oh, we can capitalize on it right now and it's also profitable right now. Which is, you know, something that they, they love to do with our culture for sure. So I can understand, like, I sell it back to us. I, yeah, I definitely understand, like, artists being nervous about his actual staying power. But just reading about him and uh, excited for Gronish to, pre- to premiere season three next week. Yeah. I fuck with that show. I fuck with Kenya Barris as a creator and writer, like, just taking each episode specifically, kind of in the way that old school 90s shows used to. Like, this is the episode we're going to tackle teen pregnancy. This is the episode we're going to tackle police brutality. This is the episode we're going to ta- tackle the difference between HBCUs and predominantly white institutions. Right. This is the, like, taking each episode to, you know, on, a, like, some a different world, you know, Cosby Show type shit, classic black TV, and just, like, uh, tackling something that's specifically just important to, because the, the show's creator, it's always something that's important to communities of color. <clears throat> they have a pretty diverse cast, so they've talked about Vivek, who is, um, I don't think they ever say specifically, no, they might, and I just don't remember, but I know he's Arab. Um, you know, they have a Jewish chick on the show, and then they have also a character on the show who's Cuban. So, like, they take specifically, you know, I, I like that. So, it's just, it's just, like, very throwback to, like, um, shows, TV shows that were, like, hey, stuff that came Mr. on. Cooper. Yeah, you know, yeah, stuff that, like, stuff that came on, like, TGI Friday and stuff when I was younger. But also still attacking more of an adult audience because the characters are in college. So, it's really interesting. Excited for that to come out. I think, uh... We'll say January 16th is when yeah, it comes out next shortly. week. So, yeah, by Thursday. Uh, hyped to see that premiere. But, uh, yeah, really, really, really interesting article. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say who wrote it because I'm going to say it's not, like, my favorite written article. It just it 
wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't that well written, but the photos, the photos were fantastic. So I am going to shout out the photographer. Uh, while I wasn't a huge fan of the article, it was an interesting enough article. And the photographer on these was... Ooh, Fiorella Ochipintini. Ochipinti. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Fire photographs. Uh, uh, his, his stylist, I believe, pronounces his name Apuje. And he, he's, I can definitely tell that he's dealing with somebody who has an eclectic style. And you got to cater to your, uh, you got to cater to your, you know, your, your client. client. Yeah. But, uh, but the photos are fantastic. I'm a big fan of the photos. Uh, I'll probably look at those about three or four times in succession. Um, styling is dope. But uh, the article is interesting as well. You kind of get to know um, him as a person. Uh, I, I was more interested to hear things. Uh, so if you listen to the podcast, maybe two episodes ago, um, we were talking about the photos and the GQ spread um, with Nipsey and Lauren because I was reading the uh, article they had about J. Cole and I didn't realize he did those photos as well. But in talking about that, I was talking about how uh, R.I.P. John Singleton mm. had hand-selected her. She was supposed to be in uh, Snowfall. Oh, wow. She was supposed to be in Snowfall. He hand-selected her. She was really excited because she hadn't done anything like big since ATL. Mm. Or Atlanta. No, ATL. But she hadn't done anything big since this movie. You know, everybody knows her. Like, you see her, and that's Nunu. Like, she had had, she kind of stole the show. Right. Like, um, and she hadn't really, she'd been in shows that, you know, they were talking about how literally people could tell that when she was on shows that they weren't as popular, like shows on BET and things like that, but just her being on the show spiked the ratings. Hmm. So like she had a definite like cult following and things like that, but she hadn't really been anything that she's like, felt like she really was able to get her like acting chops into. And so when she got cast on Snowfall, she was really excited because one, she was saying she was playing a role that was like, not like any of the characters she's ever played before. She's like, I was doing stunts. She's like, just shit I'd never done she's before. She's being an actress. Yeah, she was like, so I was really excited that people see me in like a whole new light. And then she got pregnant with her and Nipsey's son. And yeah. so she had to literally decide. He's like, half the article was about, you know, Nipsey said that, you know, kind of reiterating myself before, yeah, Nipsey kind of let, you know, obviously this is your decision. I know how important your career is to you. Like, right. I'm just going to step, this is entirely up to you. What else can you do? <laughs> you know, and she, you know, and she was like, I, I, you know, obviously crosses here and she wasn't on the show. So we see what she chose. But yeah. who also was supposed to be on that show. Uh, and it's just wild just thinking about how, you know, just Hollywood moves and we're both fans of the show Entourage so just thinking about that just knowing how pieces move and how you know Vince was supposed to be in this movie but they also have these other people who are lined up to do it type oh, shit yeah, so, Jake and they just you know how these that. pieces move and his deals and learning more about like packaging and just all types of stuff when I'm getting more into film and stuff uh, it's really interesting to know that Trevor Jackson was also supposed to be in uh, Snowfall um, he didn't say what character but he's like I was picked to play one of the leads and he said that basically what happened was uh, John Singleton and picked his entire cast. When you pick your cast, then you have to send it to network. Once you send it to network, then network has to approve of everybody you've picked up. And that's, you know, from lighting to cast. Mm. And essentially, they recast. They sent it back. They were like, we don't want anybody that you picked. Recast everybody for the leads. <laughs> so all the people that he had selected, they had to go recast. And now, you know, you see the cast you have now. A lot of it was a lot of new people. Yeah. Like, like, hadn't been in stuff, but... I mean, Trevor Jackson's still relatively new. He hadn't been in a whole lot of stuff, but essentially he said what happened after, uh, you know, he got his hopes up. He was like, man, I'm finally, essentially same thing, finally going to do something with John Singleton. Like, this is the guy who made, like, Boys in the Hood. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, my God. He was like, I hadn't really done anything as big as uh, American Crime with Regina King since that. And he's like, him seeing that is what made John Singleton 
want to ask him to do Snowfall. He saw his work on American Crime, which that season of American Crime is dope. I don't know if you've ever watched it, but it's like a, it's kind of like True Detective, where like every season is different. Okay. So like he was on that season, and then they had a whole new cast the next season. And what platform is it on? Uh, it was on Fox, I believe. It was on for like maybe so it's three like Hulu seasons. Or... No, it was on. I mean, it was the season he was on was before streaming got really really popular. Oh, word. Like you could probably still stream it now. I think it's on like Hulu now if you want to go watch American Crime. Yeah. All three seasons or American four seasons. Yeah, it. It's a Google search away. It's, yeah. It's, as I say, it's it's hard, but uh, but he said he got the show from that. But he said when he lost out on, um, Snowfall. He essentially was like, I quit. Like, I'm not acting anymore. I'm just mm-hmm. going to focus on music entirely. And that's just what I'm going to do from here on out. I'm not doing this shit anymore. Like, I keep getting stuck. Like, I just, he's like, I keep getting Passed invested. Yeah, I, I keep getting invested in things. Said, and yeah. yeah, then getting my heart set and invested in them and then losing out on them for like bullshit or technicalities or just business or, you know, the rigmarole of Hollywood or whatever. Yeah. Um, but apparently he went to uh, what is it Tribeca or one of the film one of the film festivals for like indie joints, and he was promoting Burning Sands, which is a movie I've seen. It's about like uh, essentially like black Greek life mm. and like pledging, uh, which I can relate to just because of my family, my dad and my mom, and like most of my family were black Greeks. Yeah. Like I'm what's considered a legacy. Like if I wanted technically, you can pledge at any age. If I wanted to pledge somewhere, they would have to take me. Because my mom, my grandmother, like generations were all AKAs, yeah. and so like technically like they would, but it costs like you have to pay dues and shit. You have to do like a certain amount of community service hours every year to be a part of the like it's it's a, it's a lot goes into it. Um, but it was about that he was promoting that and um, ran into Kenya Barris, who is the creator of Blackish, Mixedish, all the ish, uh, including Grownish, and um, you know he got the part. Um, and you know, went into like kind of uh, audition and said he kind of like his mom kind of made him go. His like heart wasn't all the way in it. Yeah. And his mom was just like, you know, go. You know, you never know. Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so he kind of goes in and just like said he was kind of like half assing it. It wasn't like all the way going in and wound up getting the part. Like they called him back the next day and was like, we want you. Yeah. And so he was like, if I would have quit, he was like, I wouldn't have, if I hadn't gone, if my mom hadn't taught me to go to that audition, I wouldn't have got grownish. From Gronish, he got Superfly, yeah. which was his first lead role in a movie. Mm. and um, That's you know, dope. So he was like, just kind of talking about that. I was hearing him talk about that on, on something something else that wasn't in that actual article. But just, he's an interesting dude. He's an interesting individual. Um, I enjoy his music. I would say more than his acting, but we'll see. Like The character he plays on, uh, on Gronish, I wouldn't necessarily say like allows for a lot of challenges. Um, but we'll see. It's definitely a show I enjoy, and I enjoy his character, and I'm excited for the return of the season uh, next week. Mm. So uh, that was the last thing I read. Uh, was the last thing you read? Um, white Devil in White Devil in a Black City. No, the Devil in a White City. The Devil in the White City. <laughs> um, I like the first title because <laughs> <laughs> the cover is black, and so I yeah, it's been a minute since I read it. It's about probably about a week because I. Have been, uh, I left it in uh, my car and forgot. And then Word, like, gotcha. It was in the shop. Too. Um, but it's, it, it, it reads like a nonfiction, but it's not a nonfiction. It's based off a true story of the architect who was responsible for building the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago. Okay. And at the time uh, in Chicago, uh, there was <laughs> an inordinate amount of murders going on and uh, some just like regular jealousy, fight, anger, Human beings just uh-huh. having like more weapons and cities like 
living in a city it was still a new thing in Chicago was I was like it's like an influx of people have coming yeah gotcha uh, you know do it um um then at the same time so it's it's the narrative of that architect and how the world's fair comes to be but at the same time it's uh the narrative of a doctor who is also a murderer in Chicago one of the first like um urban serial killers interesting who uses the world's fair as a way to lure his victims that's what the book is about yeah is it a, so is it just about that like is it the narrative of him actually luring people yeah like it's so it's, it's him it's like it's like his whole evolution like who he is as a person like they give like they still don't spend a lot of time in the doctor's uh childhood they kind of reflect upon it go like, call back on it but they kind of pick up with the doctor's narrative like at, at when he enters Chicago under, you know, he is an official doctor, so he kind of swindles his way into getting in, like getting into a pharmacy with an older couple whose uh, who's, the wife is struggling to run the business because her husband is sick. Huh. And so he kind of uses his charm, his wit, his brilliance, like his, you know, dangerous brilliance to get people to... Uh, have faith in him and trust in him and manipulate them. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Uh, it's very, it's very interesting because it's just like it's, it's his whole thought process. And same thing with the architect, like his thought process. Uh, and they're both very scrupulous. They're both very detail oriented. And anything in the book that has quotations in it is actually based off of actual quotations from people in that time period, people who were a part of this venture. Huh. Mostly, a lot of the quotations come from like the architect because he's working with a lot of people, and there's been a good amount of documents. And I might have to say, you know me, a who done it? Yeah, I might have to look into that devil in a devil in a white city. Yeah, it's pretty good. I might have to look into that. I'm a fan of a who done it. All right, all right. So I think that was the last thing we watched, last thing we read, last thing we listened to. So that wraps up. I don't that. think I did my last thing I listened to. Did you say last thing you listened to? No, nah, but it, uh, it was taking like, the bangers. Okay. But also listening to some J Cole, a lot, quite a bit Ooh, of what J Cole. Cole? Um, which one was that? Like with apparently on it. Apparently, is that four seals? I think it is. I think it is four seals. Those four shows, yeah. Uh, and then, so we had a good doses of good dose, it's like medicine, music is medicine. Good doses of uh, four hills, and then did four year, been listening to four year eyes only. Four year eyes only is an underrated album. Yeah, I argue that with people a lot of times. People tell I mean, me it's, it's, it's boring. It's a concept album. I was like, I mean, it's, is it boring? If it's, if it's, I mean. I don't yeah. even. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It depends what you want. You so, yeah, what, what are you trying to get out of it? Yeah, I can get into a whole thing. If I'm in the mood for a salad, if I'm in the mood for a chicken fried steak, you know what I mean. And it's like this is a subpar sandwich or whatever, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's boring. It's, it's mindset. I, yeah, it's just I yeah, I, I can't even say I can get on a whole diatribe about how the, how just not boring that album is and how specific it is, but yeah, for an, for another pot, for another pot. Righteous. Um. So uh, so getting on into the next uh, next segment, nigga, we made it. Uh, this uh, segment of nigga, we made it. Shout out to the young god Trey Young, Trey Young, uh, point god for the Atlanta Hawks. Paid off a million dollars in medical debt for uh, Atlanta citizens. Uh, always a huge fan of seeing um, athletes use their uh, status and their pockets uh, for for causes. I mean, 
it's it's just ridiculous. I I have my own stories. Everybody does just of moving in this country uh, that does not have uni- you know universal health care, mm. and uh, yeah, it's, it's sick. It's, to, it's expensive to get sick. It's hella expensive to get sick, man. Hella hella expensive to get sick, and. Um, I always tell a story, just my mom one time, like, with all her medical ailments, one time she was just looking at bills. She had crazy, amazing health care. I mean, it's... Because she was in the state, short for the state for so long, so she had yeah. amazing health care. And one time she was just looking at her uh, her bill from, like, one of her hospital stays and just started crying. And I was like, what are you crying about? And she was just like, it's just crazy, like, that, you know, I know this is taken care of, but just, like, I know somebody else out there, like, does not have health care and has to deal with this same shit. Mm. And she, I was just like, man, that is nuts. Like, it, it's wild how how monetized it is, having worked in the healthcare field for a little while. Yeah. And listening to people who work within it saying about how, you know, fucked off and corrupt it is and just, you know, how big business should not have anything to do with taking care of people. So much um, lobbying, you know, like which medicine gets sold, how much medicine gets sold. Um, how 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 hospitals are run? They're run like corporations, right. you know. They run like any other business with products to sell and. Oh yeah, yeah it's it's and yeah. the way businesses are, you know, measured by prof- profit only is. It's sad. So much. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It is sad. It's yeah. sad. Um, I've I've wrote an old poem, patience about it. It's just it's right. it's fucked up. It's 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 a shitty it's a shitty way for uh, a country to treat its citizens. But shout out to Trey Young for making a difference and uh, and using some of that contract, some of Adidas money to uh, to help out some people who uh, who are real happy to have him in that city because he's creating a lot of a lot of revenue for them. They're creating obviously a lot of revenue for him. Right. So uh, it's beautiful to see people take care of the city like that. I always love to see it. So shout out to Trey. Beautiful, a nice little tax write off too. Yeah, nice little tax write off. You know, all that, all that. You gotta, you know. You might as well. You can write it off other ways. So good to see him doing it, doing some, uh, doing some some dope stuff for the culture. So that was a quick just shout out to him for our segment of nigga. We made it. Um, moving on into hot topics. Um, speaking of Kevin Hart, he was uh, talking about his documentary. Uh, last one of the last things I watched. Uh, one of the big topics in the last thing I watched was, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of kicked off with uh, the tweets, you know, and everything with uh, him wanting to host Oscars getting selected to host Oscars and then stepping down from hosting the Oscars after, you know, he caught, went under fire for some tweets he put out in like 2010 that he had addressed already and then uh, since, um, you know, kind of went on to say that he wasn't going to address it again. Um, and the documentary, you know, talks about how that came about, why it was handled the way it was handled. It was really interesting um, to kind of get his side of the story on that. But uh, but he is now set to host the Oscars again. So, um, you know, now he sees... He's going to do it. I want to see him, you know, talk about it. I want to see cool. him, you know, uh, Ricky Ricky uh, Gervais, his shit, uh, get his shit off and, and, you know, poke fun at it. You know, you should be the first person to say something about it. And you should take that time to, um, to, to point out everything that was off with the Golden Globes, everything that was, you know, uh, off with uh, the nominations and, and you know the lack of color in those nominations. I want to hear him talk about everything. I want him to to be the kind of host that I feel like Ricky uh, Ricky Gervais was trying to bring back with the way he hosted the Golden Globes. I know mm. a lot of these uh, you know shows because they're losing their ratings and stuff. They're starting to do it without hosts, which is what they did the you know the year that you know he stepped down. Right. Is that you know they'll just they'll just have it's an interchangeable. Out- yeah, they'll just have presenters. Yeah. Like, as opposed to having somebody just host the show. Which is usually a comedian because you wait for the monologue or the few jokes they're gonna get off. Right, right. And when they didn't have him, they essentially just had host. They just had presenters who just come up and 
present the actual awards and you get off the jokes maybe that you get off and that's pretty much right, it. Yeah. So it was kind of it was kind of interesting to see how it flowed. It worked. I mean, obviously they the show went off, but uh, he's set to host the the awards this year, so we'll we'll yeah, see. That should be cool. I mean, I hope I imagine he will address it. It's almost like you have to at this point. At this point, right? And yeah. I'm hoping with the documentary, this is like a turn of a new leaf of like him being a more. I can't say open because he's never been too closed off, but a more real, or I don't want to use the word edgy. Maybe dynamic. But yeah, maybe more, a little bit more depth. Yeah, just dynamic, you know, it's like, he, he, he's so versatile. Right. Like, and I think when you see him kind of staying in, that, in his comfort zone. Yeah. Like, yo, stretch it out. Yeah. Like, I, I never can knock how hard he works, but it'd be interesting to see you put some of that effort towards something that I wouldn't expect you to do. Right. Like, and that's always the interesting test of artistry. I mean, if you're, like, as we were talking before, if you're so good, if you're that sandwich, but I don't know if I've ever thought of Kevin Hart as that sandwich. We're just like, I can take the same thing from you every time and never get bored. Right. No, I can't do that. I, not with, yeah. at least not what you're giving me now. Right. So I'm I mean, interested. Yeah. Denzel is like, you know, and then like comedy is like Dave Chappelle. And then. Yeah. And even with Dave, I feel like there's definite, like, maturation or difference in right. his way of approaching stuff. He's always talked about the same kind of stuff. like, And that was usually just whatever was current either with culture, specifically ours, or just the world in general. Or just, like, he always... Like political correctness. Yeah, he's always addressed... political. Yes, polit- politics, all types of stuff. Right. He's always addressed those those types of just hard-hitting, factual, to me, necessary topics. But the way he's addressed them, to me, has matured uh, from kind of some of the sketches and stuff. Obviously, he gave you the sketches, uh, the, the show, essentially, uh, you know, what Key and Peele is now. But... Um, on into even the way that he his like stand up has matured. Just being a fan of his just since I was in college, it's it's definitely it's definitely gotten different. It's definitely changed, and you can definitely see him trying new stuff. So it's kind of just what I, I want to see from from Kevin. Um, the same way I've seen it from like Eddie Murphy or Chris Rock or like the people who I feel like he's in the same category as. Right. Um, so that's that's something I'm I'm interested to see is how he hosts the Oscars. Uh, next thing I want to talk about, not quite as light, not quite as uh, uplifting or exciting um you know <laughs> last last podcast we talked about the comments that were made on twitter that went viral talking about tiana taylor and uh, and ari lennox and uh you know them being compared to dogs and and you know coming to another podcast talking about uh beyonce's daughter blue ivy i don't know if you heard about it but essentially beyonce had a new year's new year's eve party in that new year's eve party she invited a lot of people there was a photo booth as there is with a lot of um celebrity parties and these days with those celebrity parties um, they post those photo booth pictures the next day to be like you know this is where I was <laughs> Megan took everything down uh, since that post so in that New Year's Eve party Meg Thee Stallion posted a picture with Blue Ivy which is Beyonce and Jay-Z's daughter yeah. Beyonce and Meg yeah. Um, not a whole lot of pictures got posted from that night, but you know, Beyonce okayed this one because you know what, nothing going up to Beyonce oh, did okay. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so she okayed this picture. This picture went out, and it's I, first time I saw it, I was like, this is just a cute ass picture, obviously, yeah, H, you know, Houston shit. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, wow, that baby looks just like both of her parents, but definitely looks like Jay Z. And um, 
there were tweets that were posted after Meg posted this by a couple media people. One was, uh, unfortunately, you know, a black dude, and uh, one was a white chick, and they were going uh, kind of in on her looks, and he kind of kicked it off, starting, uh, you know, talking about how, oh, she looks like Jay-Z, at least she looks like Jay-Z Young, you know, she'll grow out of her ugly, ugly duckling phase. Blah 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 blah. Just kind of attacking her. Obvious, Man, obviously, obviously, so horrible. The yo. most. And, and like, a, I'm about to make some money off writing this atrocious shit. And it's like. a tweet. Like you, you like uh, the most you can uh, like hope to attain from it is like getting a little more notoriety and followers. And that's, it that's goes what viral. I mean by money, right? Like it's not actual monetary, but you're getting into this like, like this social wealth. And it's yeah. just, it's the same thing that yeah. that Ari was addressing in her live when she was talking about same thing that. You know, we've talked about multiple times, and we talked about on the podcast last time. Is like, not only are you willing to, are people willing to still attack black women, but look what you're doing to it. It's like little girl, bro. That's, she's that's a kid, so like sad. she's a kid. Her uh, and then the 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 white chick went further on to say, yeah, but she can also get plastic surgery early, like Kylie Jenner, and then we'll have to act like she always looked like that. And I'm like, man, that that's wild. Like, but what's crazy is nobody says anything about Kylie Jenner. Like, nobody made fun of Kylie Jenner before she went and got plastic surgery. Because people don't right. come for white women like that. That's right. not a thing that they nah, do. They don't feel like it, they have the permission to. Like, you come for black women, and in this case, a black kid, a little girl. You come for her looks. You're coming for her physical appearance. Like, one, that's that's just creepy. And two, like, why would you even think that that mm. was something that... Yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I read that, and it, just, it made me sick. It made me sad. It made me irritated. It made me frustrated. Um, if listening to the Joe Button podcast, he was talking about how you know how is Ari gonna say this is something that black men are always doing to black women, and you see right there, this is a black man doing it to a little girl, bro, a little black girl, a kid, and it's it's something that definitely I feel like, like I said last podcast, is just perpetuated by the idea that um, what did I hear somebody say? Um, black men and white women are the same in the fact that they're both oppressed, but they want to play abused and abuser. Like they want to have, they want to utilize the parts of their privilege that allow them to tear down other people or tear down their own people, but they also want to play victim. Hmm. So it's really interesting. I, this, guess, I mean, I can see that for Latino men as well. I mean, this is that's the only real, you know, I can't speak on behalf of all of them, but I can, you know, I can feel that. Yeah, I just somebody pointed out that and I was like, that's wild how parallel that is, and how often I've seen that. Um, so it's it's just really interesting to see right after that podcast, right after he said that, like, you can't make this a black issue. I've seen other, other cultures do that too. Why do you want to be in comparison with other cultures that are doing something that's wrong? So it's just, yeah, it's sad to see. Uh, I, when, I saw the, when I saw this picture, the first thing I thought was that's a cute kid. These are cute pictures. That's dope as fuck that she was at Beyonce's New Year's Eve party. Like my thoughts didn't go any further than that. Um, and then also my other thought was, damn, this kid is getting big fast, which made me feel old. Because I was like, damn, she was just at some show with that meme that went viral with her like throwing that shady face. She was a kid, like little, little. And now she's eight. That's nuts. So it's kind of crazy. I remember when like, I don't know, I'm old enough to remember when Beyonce and Jay-Z started dating initially. And I was just like, that's interesting. And here they are all these years later and, and you know, both made albums about each other. <laughs> but yeah, that's nuts. I read that about that kid and I was just like, man, that's fucked up. She's going to have to grow into and was born into the public eye and, you know, God love her and protect her. And that's why we didn't get to see what she fucking looked like until she was like one because her parents were trying to protect her from this shit that's already starting and she's only eight years old. So sad, sad, sad. But, you know, 
I'm pretty sure that both of those people, because they both work in media, I want to say one of them works for Harper's Bazaar, and one of them works for another magazine, uh, pretty positive that they probably just fucked their, their magazine's connections on uh, getting future uh, future uh, interviews with, uh, with, the, with Queen B. So they probably just kind of fucked themselves out of... Uh, out of, out of any type of raises. I'd be surprised if they haven't been fired because working for a magazine and pissing off Beyonce, I can imagine it's probably not a good career choice. But uh, but moving on to the next topic, kind of touched on Ricky Gervais's monologue at the Golden Globes earlier. Um, I didn't watch the Golden Globes, but uh, as I usually do, I watched all the speeches from all of the people who won that I gave a shit about in all the uh, categories that I cared about and any uh, you know moments that were important uh, that were kind of talked about. So... Uh, I can definitely, uh, I can definitely say that I watched his, uh, his, his monologue and, and, uh, it was interesting. Uh, definitely was interesting. I love when, uh, I love when, uh, white people from other countries gather white people from America. Cause it's almost like that, you know, that they don't see themselves as American. So there's like this distancing. So it was almost like in hearing his monologue, hearing him poke fun at all these really rich white people and make these jokes. It was very dope because I was just like, Oh yeah, you know he's really making fun of you because he doesn't think he's one of you. Like it's it's I mean y'all have like a universal connection in whiteness, but he doesn't necessarily think he's one of you. So that shit was that shit was very fun to see. It's very interesting to see. Um, it made me laugh. I like the joke that he made about uh, Leo because uh, yeah, Leo likes him young, uh, right around the lines of creepily young, being that he's fifty years old. So that joke was hilarious, <laughs> especially in talking about how long that fucking movie was because we already referenced that. Um, so that was a funny one. Um, the one he made about the streaming services fucking, fucking took me out. That shit was too funny the first time I heard it. (laughs) Fucking, if ISIS had a streaming service, you'd call your managers. I mean, yeah, that shit was fucking funny though. That shit was hilarious. So, um, shout out to, uh, to Ricky Gervais for uh, keeping it a buck. I mean, like we're just talking about comedy, like that's the best kind to me. The funniest kind, the best kind, the, the most important kind is just, keeping it a buck. The funniest shit is when you turn the, the factual, you know, realities of things into, um, you know, something to be talked about, a conversation, as well as making me laugh. So, yeah, definitely uh, go go listen to it if you haven't already. It's really, really funny. Um, he actually said something about, you know, Kevin Hart hosting the Oscars and how hilarious it is that he wasn't able to host the Oscars because of some offensive tweets, but yet they brought this dude in who they knew was not going to be anything less than offensive. So, um, yeah, really, really funny. Check out Ricky Gervais' monologue at the Golden Globes. Um, uh, speaking of TV, uh, yeah, so... F- Finally, today we got the release date of when the next season of Atlanta is going to come out. And so apparently what they're doing, Mr. Donald Glover uh, and uh, that whole crew, they're so busy that they're not releasing uh, season three until 2021. Now, 2020 just started. So we're not getting season three for a whole nother at least a year and some change. And, uh, And apparently they're dropping season three and season four at the same time. Uh, which is really interesting. <laughs> um, I don't know how I feel about it right now. I don't know if I like it. Uh, don't, you know, deny me content for forever and then give me two seasons worth of content to binge on. Um, I'm not a huge fan of binging. There's certain shows I don't mind binging, but uh, shows like Atlanta that I, I really, really enjoy the content and I want to be able to digest it. I like the idea of it coming out weekly and, you know, having to... Um, get it in slower installments. So, I mean, I guess 
because each episode is kind of freestanding and they don't really run concurrently, it doesn't really bother me um, too much. But at the same time, I, I feel kind of gypped. Like, there's something too, even if you binge something, the idea of, like, anticipation. And just like, ooh, there's this anticipation, then I get something. And then there's more anticipation built up for the next season because of whatever cliffhangers. And then I get some more, and it's just like... The idea of getting two seasons worth of content at one time because you couldn't give me in a timely manner one season at a time. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I can only I can only tell. Time will only tell when actually the series comes out, and we'll see. You know, if the content lacks for it, I don't know. Donald Glover, I think, is a genius. I don't think it's going to. But after that, after that last season, after that last season with those episodes, man, I know everybody's busy, but. Shit, watching that Kevin Hart documentary, if he can get all that shit done at one time, why the fuck, I don't know. Why the fuck we got to get two seasons at once and wait two years for that shit? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll fucking see. Um, yeah, we'll see. Two seasons at once, season three and season four of Atlanta coming in 2021. Uh, I know Lakeith Stanfield's been super busy. Uh, we talked about Uncut Gems on the last episode. Um, I really enjoyed Everything that he's been in, I know he's got like two more movies coming out. I haven't seen Knives Out yet, which I heard he was good in as well. So, I mean, I mean I'm glad everybody's working. I'm really glad everybody's working. I'm definitely not mad at that. But at the same time, I don't know, I think that format is just a little strange. We'll see how it works release-wise and um, and how the numbers look streaming-wise. And then if, if there's some type of like crazy spike in his numbers, um, like streaming-wise and revenue I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see if that lends to it as well because the idea of dropping two seasons at once, that's really weird to me. And I've never heard of that before. And I don't know if just giving me more content, if it's going to take another two years to get two more seasons, if I like that idea of waiting that long between each release. You know, like, it doesn't have to be this. Move on to another project if that's the case. If you literally just don't have time to shoot it, especially if the art, we'll see. If the art winds up suffering because of it, then just, you know, let everybody you have used it for the springboard it was and, and keep making movies. But I don't know. That's a really long time to wait for the next season. And uh, next up, uh, speaking of changes uh, in release schedule, or actually, I guess not change in release schedule. This is how you know Marvel move a little different. Uh, Doctor Strange's director uh, is a director by the name of... Scott Derrickson directed the first movie. Kind of looks like Doctor Strange. <laughs> directed the first movie and was set to direct the second one. He's also a producer, uh, the executive executive producer of uh, the the uh, Doctor Strange movies, and he is stepping away. They are citing creative differences uh, for why he is stepping away from these movies. Now, uh, with these creative differences, I did read uh, briefly that apparently he was uh, going to make this the first scary. Marvel movie and was really excited about, you know, diving into a more darker theme and darker element uh, with this second Doctor Strange movie, uh, but, you know, didn't get to, unfortunately. Um, and uh, But he says he's still going to executive produce the film. He's just not going to be, um, he's just not going to be uh, directing the film anymore. But he says they amicably parted ways on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which is uh, set to be the next uh, sequel and uh, still remains grateful uh, to all the, uh, the the other people at the studio, and they say they remain grateful for his contributions to the MCU. So 
it looks like they're mutually agreeing to part ways. Uh, just creative differences could be time. It could be the idea of him, you know, making the first scary movie and possibly them being worried about uh, their target audience because their audience is, you know, also starts very young. Um, so, you know, maybe they were worried about losing out on some of that audience if the movie got darker. Um, not sure, not sure, you know, didn't get a whole lot more details than that, but what we can say is that, uh, the movie is still coming out on time. That is definitely something they touched on in this article that I'm reading on, um, looks like entertainment, yeah, entertainmentweekly.com, and, um, the movie is still set to start filming, I believe, in May, and they're still set to be on schedule, uh, so, you know, they said even losing their director is not going to deter them from putting out those movies on time. Uh, Do- Donald Glover could stand to learn a thing or two. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what director they pick. Um, I hope they go with somebody who can uh, can can keep storylines um, as in-depth and challenging as, you know, the last Marvel MCU movies have been, um, you know, with them switching up a lot of, uh, you know, the people involved and behind the scenes in the making of the movies. Uh, I just want to see that same depth of character and that same um, realness, even in fiction, still be uh, able to shine through in the, in the movies and uh, not lose that very, very real heart that still allows movies, even though they're, you know, these are motherfuckers that have powers and our superheroes still touch you in a very real way. So uh, hopefully they go with a director that can still keep it up. I enjoyed the first film. I really enjoyed the first one. And he has a story that is super relatable. Um, you know, Doctor Strange does. So I hope they, they with, with the people that they kept, with the way that the, you know, the Marvel Universe is kind of split with Sony and, and, and everything, I really hope that they still maintain the integrity of the, the you know, Storylines, you know, we lost a lot of really dope actors and contracts and things like that from Robert Downey Jr. to Chris Evans to, you know, they they're they're placing it upon the shoulders of, you know, Chadwick Boseman and Tom Holland and um and uh, and Benedict Cumberbatch, and so I'm really 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 excited to see what this you know this and the next Spider-Man movie look like, being the first two that have been released since the uh, the big shift with the uh, all the behind the scenes situation. So. Definitely was interested to hear that, but they said the show will go on. That movie is still coming out. You know, we, we, we move different over here. <laughs> uh, so getting on into uh, just really quickly want to touch on a couple things with sports. Don't want to talk about anything too much longer. Got to wrap this up and uh, and uh, get, to, get to fucking bed. <laughs> Got to wrap this up and get to fucking bed. And all honesty, this this might drop uh, on Saturday, in all honesty, because I am so tired. I don't know if I have time to upload it tonight. But um, t- touching on... Um, uh, Anthony Davis's fall, that that was scary sight. Uh, hope he's okay. Glad that the X-rays came up negative. Um, yeah, uh, it was a hard one. I watched it a couple times, and you know, was just, he's really lucky nothing did break with the size that he is coming down directly on that tailbone like that. But um, that's always been kind of his question is durability. So um, you know, kind of got to stay postponed to see uh, how long he's going to be out, how the Lakers are going to move without him. Um, I think, you know, their success heavily relies upon him and LeBron playing really well. Not just well, but both of them, and not just one or the other, but both of them playing really well. So um, with the, with their, their the always constant and forever present battle for, you know, space in the West, especially heading into getting close to All-Star break. Uh, really interested to see how long he's going to be out and how the Lakers move if he is going to be um, out for more than maybe a couple games or two. Um, 
not only is he out, but another big man who's going to be out a couple weeks having surgery is Joel Embiid. A lot of people saw the video of his finger being dislocated, uh, had to have it pop back in, return to the game. And uh, it's still played, played for the rest of the game, but it looks like he's going to actually have to have surgery on that finger. He's is going to be out uh, a couple of weeks. So Philly beat my Boston Celtics tonight, but I'm interested to see how they move going forward without him. Um, I don't think we played particularly well tonight, and I don't think if we were playing better without him, if anybody else is going to be able to, uh, if, if they're going to be able to hold up against another team of our caliber or anybody else who's over 500. So uh, interesting. We'll see how they move without Embiid. Uh, so the Lakers without AD, um, Philly without Embiid. Um, the the Portland Trailblazers got uh, got their asses handed to them tonight. But uh, yesterday, or the day before yesterday, Melo hit a game winner. Uh, love to see Melo flourishing. Love to see him playing well. Love to see him winning games. Uh, Portland is a team that I always pay attention to because they have players on there that I'm a fan of in uh, C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. So I'm always really kind of keeping the uh, the goings on of the Trailblazers abreast, and uh, and he hit the game winner. It was beautiful to see all the memes, all the love. Um, he's a player just like Derrick Rose, who I love to see the comeback. I love to see the the dog. I love to see the fight. So really, really happy um, that he got to hit a game winner. Got to have that feeling again. Um, you know, got to show that he's he's still built to be in this league. I think even uh, LeBron tweeted or posted on Instagram. You know, uh, you know, y'all said he was washed. Now, like I said last podcast, he said y'all said he was washed too. I don't know nothing about this too because I don't know who the fuck was saying LeBron James was washed. I feel like that's a narrative he created his damn self. But, uh, but people were definitely saying about uh, about Melo, and I was just like, y'all got Melo fucked up. He's 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 too much of an offensive powerhouse to not have a place on a team. And to see him hit the uh, the, the game winner the other night was was great. And I was excited and was happy as a uh, Carmelo Anthony fan to see him uh, you know, getting to play and play well in the game that he loves. Um, also going to get into uh, just moving really quickly through these last couple topics. I have to touch on Dallas hiring Mike McCarthy. Um, it's a good hire. I mean, it's got sting to it <laughs> just because he coached the, uh, the two uh, uh, Green Bay Packers teams that I feel like just had a collusion with the refs to fuck us out of possible trips to the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, not necessarily his fault, or I can't say, I can't necess- I can't for sure put the blame on him. <laughs> so, But I do know he's a good coach. I do know he has a Super Bowl ring, and I do know uh, he uh, he had a history of, of winning. And so we'll, we'll hopefully see that he brings that over to Dallas. I see that he's building a, uh, a nice team over there, a nice offensive coordinator, nice defensive coordinator, um, special teams. I see him bringing in all new people, and I feel like, like I said in the last couple of podcasts, that's what we need. We need a change. We need fresh blood, fresh meat. Um, you know, let's just start moving different, and, and it's time to, you know, kind of break everything down. We got talent for sure. We definitely has talent. We definitely have talent. So uh, we got to see what else it is, and, and, you know, it's about time. It's, I don't think any other team, especially – if, if, you know, I don't even think Dallas, especially if he didn't have the connections to the coach that he had that Garrett, Coach Garrett does, is I don't think he would have been there that long. So, you know, it's time to part ways. Uh, I've already seen reports that Garrett's, you know, looking to get other jobs. So he'll be fine, but it's just it's just time to try something new, something different. And uh, it's 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 unfortunate, but, um, you know, it's time. It was time. And so hopefully we have some more new success under this new coach. Mike McCarthy hopefully brings in um, – 
some uh, some new ideas and we and we see the benefits of that in this upcoming season uh, with uh, you know our you know hopefully first playoff win in a very long time. Um, Got to also touch on Deshaun Watson's amazing performance in that wild card game. I mean, wow, 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 wow. I mean, I am a Dallas Cowboys fan through and through, but I like I like that kid, man. I like me some Deshaun Watson. He got heart. He plays hard. He plays, uh, you know, passionately, and, and he he likes the spotlight, and he likes to put the game on his own shoulders, and he did just that. Um, you know, he right from that touchdown he scored on to taking those two hits and delivering that pass. Um, you know, you could say, you know, they kept him up. They, they, they're scientifically, their propulsion and hitting each other kept him from falling onto the ground, blah, 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 blah. It's all a bunch of fucking lip service to me. It sound good. The motherfucker took two hits that would have crumbled normal people and delivered a good pass that set his team up for the winning field goal. I don't give a fuck what else you say other than that man is a great athlete. If you listen to him talk about getting the, taking the hits afterwards, he said he told himself, you're about to get hit, just stay up. And he did. I believe in the power and the, um, you know, the, the, the of speaking things. I believe in the power of, you know, self-belief. And I think that that's exactly what happened uh, is he, you know, told himself that I need to do this to carry my team. I've seen him do it before in other situations, so I have no reason not to believe that that's what he did here. And he did it. And he delivered a win, and his team survives another day. And I wouldn't be surprised if his team upsets the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are better, but I think Houston is good enough to upset them, especially with J.J. Watt back. So I don't count them out. I think it's going to be a good game. I'm excited to watch that, as well as his alma mater, Clemson, play in the uh, the college national uh, uh, championship game. I haven't been watching a whole lot of college football, but I usually watch the college football championship every year just because I, I generally like college football better. And uh, I just, you know, in all honesty, just got access to it late in the season. And um, just had a lot of projects going on where I wasn't able to watch as much as I wanted to, but I'm definitely going to watch that game. Um, and uh, it's going to conclude the pod today. I mean, kind of had to get through the last couple of topics. Um, Brent had to leave, so that's why we didn't get to do uh, a couple of the topics with him. We'll definitely try to have him back on the pod later, but I'm uh, glad I got to talk with him for the first couple of, uh, of topics. Uh, this has been uh, Episode 8 of the Creative Ass Podcast. And I appreciate you guys for listening, as always. Peace!